For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a Thursday edition of Over the Line. I am Andrew McLean, as you know, here on January 10th, 2019. And here in the South, it is winter. For the third time this year. And we're only 10 days into this year. This is ridiculous. Man, we have got so much to talk about today and really not enough time to do it. First of all, I, I'm I'm keeping an eye on Donald Trump who is departing for the border today. He will probably stop by and speak to reporters on his way to the plane, as he always does. I think that moment's probably already passed, as I'm currently watching a video of of his plane sailing into the sky. I, I figured that would happen before we came on, so what I'll do is um, a little later this hour, we will revisit his, uh, his comments. Assuming that he talked to reporters, I'm looking through right now to see if he did. He may not have. Uh, I don't, I don't see that he did. So maybe he just snuck out of there and said, I'm going to get down to the border. I'm going to save my comments for a while. I am at the border, which I think is a smart move. So once he gets down there, we will, um, we'll track his progress, see what he says. He's, uh, he wants to go down there and, uh, you know, you can call it a photo op if you want, but really it's, it's all about negotiations and it's about, relaying to the American people 
that the crisis is real. Because the thing that the Democrats have going on right now is that uh, this whole crisis on the border is not real. It's all make-believe. It's it's a made-up thing. Uh, there's no crisis. We have no problem with illegal immigration. And that goes against all the things that they've said in the past. But uh, they say, hey, there's no, there's no illegal immigration problem. Not that would uh, need a wall. And a wall, even a wall, would not work. Which they can't seem to uh, enter into a conversation, a dialogue about why a wall wouldn't work. They just want to repeat that talking point. So, that's where we're at. A lot to talk about on that front. And, and again, I know you guys feel beat over the head with the border wall talk, but it's it's uh, the rubber has met the road on this bad boy, and uh, we're, we're getting towards the finish line. Because here we are, day... 18 or, or you know we're in the third week of of the government shutdown whatever it is and something's got to happen something's got to give the government is not is not far from being open and this is just my humble prediction but the government will be open soon what the outcome of that will be i don't know i could give you an educated guess but i don't know i just know the government will have to be open soon and we are very, very close to that happening. Something else, I, I really want to start the show off with this, uh, and that is the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has missed her third day of SCOTUS arguments, something she has not done in her entire time on the Supreme Court. Not that, she, not that she's never missed her third day. She's never even missed her first day. And here she is, day three, because of ailment she's dealing with. She is, uh, she's not there. And and I, I haven't seen a report. This was from yesterday, and I have not seen a report as of today, if she was out again. But, um, not looking good. Not looking good for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She she may be uh at a point where she just needs to hang it up. I don't know. Sometimes you, you get to an age where your health is just wearing you down and you're ineffective and you got to decide, hey, uh, am I going to just sit here and greedily hang on to my position because I don't want to let it go even though I'm not working or do I want to do the right thing and, and allow somebody else to take this position, which is going to ultimately happen anyway. Ruth Bader Ginsburg obviously wanting to hang on to her position because she does not want Donald Trump to be the one to... Um, pick her replacement so she wants to maybe hang on to that seat until the beginning of 2020 where it could possibly be blocked until after the the, the election the 2020 election in hopes that Donald Trump doesn't get reelected and one of these wackadoodles on the left do get elected president uh but that's the latest on that, and we're going to continue to track that as uh, the days and the weeks go along. But today we're going to concentrate on the government shutting down on the border wall. I'm also going to bring in, uh, here in just a few minutes, we're supposed to have Andrew Pollock on. And, and just to give you guys a, a preface of who that is, some of you longtime listeners, you you know who he is, and, and some of you non-longtime listeners know who he is. He is the father of Meadow Pollock, who was uh, 
senselessly murdered in Parkland, Florida at the school shooting on Valentine's Day of last year, that anniversary coming up very, very soon. And he has been uh, running around like his hair is set on fire, getting things done, getting legislation passed, and, and making things happen all in the name of creating greater school safety and not in the form of having guns banned or saying that schools are gun-free zones or whatever, doing it the right way, and also seeking justice for the malice and the the, the, the uh, malpractice of the Broward County Sheriff's Department and how they allowed even more children to die during that shooting because it's exactly what they did. Between Sheriff Scott Israel and Deputy Scott Peterson, more children died than had to simply because those guys did not do their job and then tried to cover it up on the backside. We'll talk about what he's doing. We'll also talk to him, uh, talk with him about what uh, Democrats, the new members of the House, are doing to try to push new gun legislation and expand gun control laws, expand uh, background checks, quote-unquote, and what that means for not only this country, but the safety of schools here in America. What else? What else? Um, We had an incident last night, and I didn't initially realize what was going on until I did a little research, but... Donald Trump tweeted uh, a, a a tongue lashing, I guess you could say, at the mainstream media for uh, taking some of his comments off the record at a meeting they had, or, or like a luncheon yesterday, and running right out of the White House and then putting it on their airwaves. And when you, because when you say off the record, when you're having making comments off the record, you expect them to be off the record. You expect the reporters you're talking to not to report them. That's the whole point of that. These guys don't care. They've thrown the rule book out the window. They've they've thrown journalistic integrity out the window. They don't care anymore. We'll talk about that, what happened there. Uh, Seth Meyers, late-night talk show host, catches some heat because he's basically on Twitter mocking victims killed by illegal aliens. I'll tell you what he said on that front. Some of the stuff from yesterday that we missed out on. Uh, because of uh, time constraints, man, we have just got too much, too much to talk about today. Also, supposed to have Jeff Poor in the 10 o'clock hour. Hopefully we'll have him on for a few minutes. It's hard to get him on these days because he's got a brand new radio show out of Huntsville. And uh, that's tying up his time. And, and it's like I told him last night or yesterday. I said, now you know what it feels like. To be a radio guy, and you once you get into the radio business, it's almost like you forget everything because you've got so much crap programmed in your head that you're so much information you're trying to cram in your brain that you don't have room for the the normal easy stuff that you got to do. You just forget about it. You forget about things you got to do. You forget about conversations you had, things you told people you were going to do. It's just that's what happens. So what happens when you've got limited space in your brain? You can only fit so much in there. You gotta take stuff out to put stuff in. It's uh it's a simple concept. 
Uh, I think that's about it. Outside of the stuff we uh, we missed out on yesterday, we'll we'll bring that up as we go if we've got time to cram it in there. Uh, the number here six four six 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 eight. 2714. 646 2714. Also on the line, online, online, whatever, over the line show.com. That's the website. Make sure you guys go to the website, scroll down there towards the bottom, and uh, sign up for the newsletter. All you got to do is enter your email address. That, that's that's about it. And then you just, you're just you just added to our list. So anytime we need to send you guys uh, an update about the show, maybe we've added something new to the website, we will inform you of that. We don't do those very often. I think we've done that once. We've sent out one email the entire time we've had this website up. So we don't, don't think that you're going to get bombarded. And it, it's not like you're getting emails from, uh, you know, people trying to sell you stuff we don't give anybody your information i mean if somebody offered me the right price i'd probably sell them y'all's emails to be honest but uh i haven't had that happen so you don't have to worry just go to over the line show.com sign up all the social media stuff's on there our latest episode if you want to hear it uh, the audio the audio version's on there also this video is is usually posted on there right after so it's all there for you easy access and you can also hear this show on plenty of platforms from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, CastBox. By the way, if you don't have an iPhone, I suggest you download the CastBox app. Because CastBox, CastBox not only carries this show, but they carry lots of other pretty popular podcasts like Joe Rogan and, and others that you can listen to. It's uh, I, I looked through it for the first time the other day, and I'm like, man, this is actually pretty good. I've always used Apple Podcasts. I didn't realize CastBox was, uh, was on top of it like that. So check that stuff out, all the uh, other platforms we got. There's plenty of them. So uh, go ahead and hook that up and uh, make it happen. Take us wherever you go. We'll go ahead and take a break. Coming back on the other side, we should have Andrew Pollock on the line. We'll talk to him for a little bit and then keep this thing rolling as Donald Trump heads to the southern border to verify there actually is a crisis going on down there. Back after this.
So, the president of Mexico yesterday, or the ex-president, whatever, whoever, he said, we will not pay for the wall, even consider paying for the wall. So, who's going to pay for the wall? 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 So I get a call from one of the reporters yesterday, and they said, the president of Mexico said, they will not, under any circumstances, pay for the wall. They said to me, what is your comment? I said, the wall just got 10 feet higher. It's true. Pull off doing a show like in a, a ski mask. I'd totally do that. It's over the line, over the line show.com. Check out the website. 
sign up, all that kind of stuff, stuff and things. I'm kind of breezing through Twitter to make sure we didn't miss out on any comments from the president. And there would have been questions that he answered as he was boarding the plane to head to the southern border. And the only reason I want to play that, if they exist, because, of course, he was getting on the plane. I waited all morning for him to get <laughs> to get on the plane. And then as I'm starting the show is when he finally got on there. All right. I think I've found him. This is probably... I don't know, uh, 20 minutes ago, 20, 30 minutes ago, this happened. This is Donald Trump. He just exited the White House, headed to Marine One to, to then head towards Air Force One and head to the southern border. Here is what he said to reporters on his way out. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. The lawyers have so advised me. I'm not prepared to do that yet, but if I have to, I will. I have no doubt about it. I will. I have the absolute right to declare this was passed by Congress. So when you say, was it passed by Congress? It was. Other presidents have used it, some fairly often. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. I haven't done it yet. I may do it. If this doesn't work out, probably I will do it. I would almost say definitely. This is a national emergency. Because I would like to do the deal through Congress, and because it makes sense to do it through Congress. But the easy route for me would have been call a national. Of course, that happens. Should I answer this phone call? Hang on, let me let me answer this. I think I've got Andrew Pollock on the phone. Andrew, do I got you? Yes, I'm here. All right. Well, that works. We we had to do this in an unconventional manner uh, <laughs> because I'm doing this basically from my cell phone and then putting it through the airways. But we got it working. That's no all problem. that matters. How you doing, buddy? Hey, all right. Pretty good. I've been pretty busy all over the state uh, attending the uh, inauguration of our new governor, Ron DeSantis. Uh, I was just also appointed to the Department of Education. So a lot of things going on and trying to clean up Broward County, that, that toxic county uh, uh, that I lived in for so many years. Yeah, it's been an absolute mess. And I, I got to say, personally, I've watched everything you've done down there in Broward County and in Florida, uh, especially on the campaign trail. And coming from people in Alabama, we're extremely proud of you because we followed those races closely because ultimately they have a big impact on the entire country and we're extremely proud of what you did down there. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it too. Not just myself, my team, how we got, uh, the Senator, uh, Rick Scott into office and to Ron DeSantis. It just means so much for the state of Florida moving forward, uh, what we're going to be able to accomplish in Florida and, preparing for that 2020 presidential election it's really important going into that yeah there there's no doubt about that do you have plans on on doing anything on that front when it comes to 2020 uh, of course i'm going to do you know uh, i'm pretty friendly with the president and i'm going to do anything he asks to help him on that to the 2020 election 
because Florida is such an important swing state that uh, every everywhere I could help, I'm going to help. And just like I did for uh, Rick Scott and for Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. Okay, uh, well, I, I want to get into some of the mess going on in Broward County, but first, I, I kind of sure. want to go on with what's in the headlines right now since we're talking about the president. He, as you know, is currently headed to the uh, southern border. He talked to reporters before he left and said, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to give this one last shot. If if I can't get it done through Congress, which is the way I prefer, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to declare it a national emergency. Is that what you think the president needs to go ahead and do? Well, it is an emergency. Look what's going on between the drugs crossing over, between illegal immigration, uh, between, uh, you know, the, the children, the problem with the children going, you know, they're bringing kids and, and putting them over the, you know, over the border. So it is an emergency and it's a, it's a safety issue for the country. Who's coming in? You know, they already got some uh, things that there was like Al Qaeda and ISIS coming through the border out of, through Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, like like the president says, we put walls up around our houses to protect who's inside, not to keep the other people out. We want to protect us inside the country. Right. And, and for me, it's about America first. So I'm yeah. all for what we have to do. And and we're going to keep winning as conservatives. And that's what we do. You know, we're the silent majority. We don't control the mainstream media, but we're going to do what we have to to keep winning. Uh, in America to keep conservatism alive. Yeah, and that's exactly right. It, it's the the walls are not about uh, us hating the people that are on the outside. It's about loving the people that are on the inside. But Correct. It, as we've done this show and, and we kind of we switched platforms a little bit and moved to podcast and all this kind of stuff, but uh as we've done the show time and time again, episode after episode, we would bring up stories where it would be uh, a chaos at the border, whether it's terrorists crossing the border, massive amounts of drugs being seized at the border, all these things. And yet we've got people on Capitol Hill that continue to pretend like this is a pretend crisis, that this is all make believe. And it's just a, a political stunt that these things aren't going on. And we see them. We see them right in front of our faces. Yep. And what's strange is these bureaucrats that you talk about when President Obama was the president, they were campaigning for money. Yeah. To build the wall. Right. All of a sudden, miraculously, their whole idea changed. Now they don't want the wall. Right. They want checkpoints. That's what they're saying. Checkpoints. Nancy Pelosi. They're going to have checkpoints at the border. So the criminals, when they want to go through to America from uh, from Mexico, they're going to go to the checkpoints. You know, these people, there's just no their brains are wired differently. And and <laughs> uh, and we trust the president. He's going to do what's right. Because he always does what's right for the American people, and he never gets any credit for it. Yeah, that's, he cares that's about our country. You know that here's a guy that doesn't need to be taking this abuse day in and day out, day out. You know, all day long from the media, and he really loves his country. So he's going to do what's right for for our American people that that love our country. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And think about this. I mean, just go back, take yourself back ten years or whatever, and say. In the future, there will be a president who gets on the campaign trail, makes all these promises, gets elected, and then fulfills those promises, and then he's the most hated president of all time. Can you imagine? Yeah, well, that's the media. That's what the media wants to portray. But for us Americans that love our country, we love the president. And he knows it. You know, I, I've been with him uh, over the last month or two uh, a couple of times already in private, and he's just such a good guy. He's just like an irregular American guy who loves his country 
and his family is such a, a great family. They're such such good kids that he raised, and he's doing it for us. He doesn't look. He could be playing with his grandkids every day and, and traveling to, to his hotels, but he's out fighting every day for us. So, and I really respect him for that. We've got a guy that's literally, as you said, he could be doing all those things, living the best life that any of us could ever imagine. But instead, for free, as he donates his paycheck every quarter, he is he is defending the American people and not asking a dime for it. No, nothing. And he and he does it because he cares about us, you know. And he doesn't want to have to. Uh, we, we we shouldn't cave in to these uh, these unethical uh, liberal progressives that are trying to, to try and mess up everything in the whole country, you know, and, and he's not going to, and he's not going to let it happen. And that's when he needs us. He needs us behind him and, and supporting him. And I, and I do as much as I can, you know, like I did in, in, in Florida for the Republican party. And he needs us all over the country fighting for him. Yeah. And, and a fantastic job you did. Let's, let's real quick move over to Broward County uh, over the past few days. We've had some reports coming out where apparently uh, the Scott Israel has been telling his deputies that he's going to be suspended soon by yes. sworn in Governor Ron DeSantis. What do you know about that? Oh, I think all well, I think it's going to happen. You know, I think that the FDLE did a really good job on their report about the response uh, to that massacre that got my daughter murdered. And they're they're looking at it, and then they're going to come to the conclusion. Uh, you know, eight deputies don't go into the building, right? When the kids are getting killed, shots are being fired. Eight of them don't go in. And then he has on his protocol, he changed active shooter on his protocol to may go in instead of the national protocol is shall go in, and he changed that to may, given his deputies the. Uh, the option to go in and save kids on or to hide behind their, uh, their police cars. Now, wait a minute. When did he change that in comparison to the shooting? Oh, it was changed before. He changed it. To, that was his protocol for the Broward Sheriff's Office. They may go in to, uh, you know, to confront an active shooter. And and in national protocol in any other department where there's a real sheriff is you shall go in. Right. So now he changed it back. Now we changed it back after the FDLE report uh, report came out saying that, that that that's just the wrong protocol for his deputies. Well, anybody so with, it, with half a brain knows that any police department in that situation, that's the first thing they do is they go in and they neutralize the threat. Well, that's what the Coral Springs PD did, who was also in that area. And it doesn't doesn't tell you to wait for uh, for your other policemen to come or, you know, it, it tells you if you hear shots, you go towards the shots. It doesn't matter what's going on. OK, you got to eliminate it because every shot that you're listening to could be killing an, another innocent, innocent. So they change that now back. But I think that when Ron DeSantis goes through this report given to him by the FDLE, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, it'll give him enough ammunition to uh, remove this sheriff. And and he and Ron's all about integrity. He's been in uh, he's been in the armed services. He's a Navy JAG officer, and he knows what the leadership's about because he's going to lead the great state of Florida, and he knows about holding local uh, officials accountable and, yeah. and that's what he's going to do that's what he ran on 
he's going to stay true to his campaign promise of holding officials accountable that have failed. Yeah, well, it's a, it's definitely a, a sigh of relief, I know, for you uh, to have some people in charge that are going to hold these people accountable because— Well, that's a word that's haunted me since my daughter was murdered is accountability, and it's going to happen. It's going to come—people deserve better in the county, uh, Broward County. So that's what we're working on, uh, helping the people of Broward bring accountability to failed officials and, and making the community safer for everybody. Yeah. What's amazing to me is is in the immediate aftermath of, of all of these this tragedy happening is those of us that aren't in the state of Florida, that aren't in Broward County, when we start watching the headlines and we start digging into what actually happened, you know, weeks after – and we start looking into this police department. We start looking into who Sheriff Scott Israel is. We were shocked. Just all the different things that didn't make sense. You're shocked. What do you, you know, and I mean, when I look at it, you know, I know the facts, what yeah. happened from everything, from what the school administrators failed to do, what his mental health caseworkers failed to do, what the sheriff's office failed to do, what the FBI failed to do. There's a long laundry list of failures, and I got to live with it every day, the incompetence that let my daughter get murdered. Right. So that's what my whole life is now is exposing everybody that failed my daughter, not just the shooter. The shooter, I blame 50 percent for killing my daughter. The other 50 percent is the failed people in all those entities that I just announced that failed my daughter. So I'm going to expose them all. And, and one failed entity wasn't the NRA that a lot of people, they just, it's easy to just blame the NRA or the gun. Okay. That's the easy thing. I could have just said that, but I'm going to expose everybody, a laundry list of them that are really, uh, that are really accountable for my daughter getting murdered. And, and, and it wasn't the NRA or the gun. Yeah. And this is, again, I, I just go back to, to, this is why we're, we're proud of you and proud to know you because uh, you didn't just, uh, roll over and, and crawl up in the fetal position. You got up and you fought and you fought yep. for justice and you fought to make this right, fought to make sure this kind of stuff doesn't happen again. And, and it's not like you're just fighting against little old Broward County. You're, you're fighting against the, the largest juggernauts in Washington, D.C. as well. And you're not backing down. No, I'm not going to back down. We accomplished a lot that the mainstream media didn't uh didn't cover. And that one of the biggest things that I'm proud of besides getting the safety bill done in Florida is I met with the president. He put a commission together of his cabinet members where they came up with uh, over nine months of uh, research on making schools safer. So they put a lot of time into this. And what they came up with was these recommendations. And the most important one was putting an end to those Obama era leniency policies in the schools that don't hold children accountable. Right. So that, that meant a lot to me and the mainstream media didn't cover it. It's going to affect education throughout the whole country, what this president did. And, uh, my, uh, and I'm very proud to have been a part of it and the media never covered it, but those recommendations came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that's another thing I, I wanted to talk to you about was the dismantling of this promise program that was put in uh, by the Obama administration. We another thing that we were absolutely astonished by was that the promise program was a thing that it, it, it allowed these 
troubled kids to just basically get a slap on the wrist instead of taking the proper action to uh, yep. put them away so something like this didn't happen. Well, it's actually it's not even like like we every kid deserves a second chance. They're giving kids four misdemeanors per school year with no accountability. Yeah. But it's not just in Broward. You know, that's why I have a book coming out. Uh, should be coming out in a few months it, to educate parents and your listeners should be following me on uh, on in, on Facebook, Andrew Pollock, Parkland Parent or my Twitter, Andrew Pollock FL, because my thing is I like to, I, I educate other parents to what to look for at their kids schools so that doesn't happen, you know, try and prevent it from happening in their school and by not having these policies in your schools it makes your kids a lot safer too so they should be following me and looking into what's going on at their children's schools because it's all over the country these policies and as you know it, it could uh it could happen to anybody in any city in any state it, it doesn't matter yes. so it's a, yep it could happen anywhere and like it happened to me in one of the safest neighborhoods in the country but yeah. they just let they allow these sociopaths to go to school with our children. And that's what happened. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a big responsibility to be a parent. But this is just part of it. I mean, you've got to. Yeah, I made a big mistake, involved. big mistake, not knowing what was what was going on in my child's school and in the district. And it's still going on. The guy's still there. The superintendent, Runcy, he's still in. Uh, I'd like everyone to go on my Facebook or Twitter and sign the petition to remove uh, the superintendent Runcie, uh because he's still there with all the policies in place uh, that led up to February 14th. So local officials don't have to uh, partake in recommendations from a federal level or a state level. They do what they want locally. So that's why it's so important for parents to get involved at a local level. Well, that, that's one thing that amazes us is the fact that we look and we see these people that are still in the positions that they were a year ago. Uh, they haven't uh, they haven't been fired. They haven't been even put in a, a different position or anything. They're still nope. there. They're still They're in charge. They're still there. The They're getting raises, actually. Some of them are getting raises. But, you know, we're going to clean it up little by little to help Broward County. Yeah. It's just uh, – it, it's a sad situation where – yes. with what we know about some of these people and the failures. Because, I mean, if I go and I say anybody that's got a regular job, you're working in a factory or whatever, and you screw up big time, you know, you, you cost the company a lot of money because you, you knocked over a bunch of products or something, you, you usually get fired because of that. But these people – Yeah, they, not in Broward. They don't know what the meaning of accountability means. But we're going we're gonna to start teaching them. Man, we'll be working pretty hard in Broward uh, just, uh, so they can understand the word of accountability. And it's coming. We the governor, uh, the senator now, he he removed Snipes, Brenda Snipes. She was the supervisor of elections. Then we got uh, hopefully we'll get the uh, then we'll go to the sheriff and then uh, down to the super superintendent of the schools. So one by one, we're going to help the community to clean up Broward. And, and put people in there that that are um, that are good for the jobs, you know, know the word accountability and the urgency of protecting that community. Yeah, there's so much corruption. I, you brought up Brenda Snipes. I almost forgot about Brenda Snipes. Yeah, that yeah, that, crazy. she's in court. She wants to come back now, you know. So yeah, we call. We'll, we'll see about that. We call up here in Alabama. We call Brenda Snipes Beetlejuice. So uh, yeah, it, yeah, that could be. <laughs> I see the resemblance. <laughs> right. But anyway, I got to get going because I got a, I got some bunch of work to do. So thanks hey, uh, for having me on. And anytime you need, just give a give me a shout out. 
I'm happy to come on to the, with yeah, the people definitely, of Alabama. Definitely, Andrew. Tell them real quick how to find you on Twitter and Facebook again. Sure. It's Andrew Pollock FL. And on my Facebook, it's Andrew Pollock Parkland Parent. That's my public page. Go on there. I urge all the listeners, parents that want to learn about look what to look into at their child's school to follow me on uh, my Facebook or my Twitter. And I post a lot of educational stuff for parents. Andrew, you're the man. We appreciate you as always. And hopefully we'll be talking to you soon, buddy. Sure. Anytime. Thanks, buddy. There you go. There's my man, Andrew Pollock, Parkland, Florida. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to him. We had to, uh, we had to rig that up to actually pull that off. We expected him to call the, the, the studio line, but he actually just called my cell phone, so I had to plug it up. <laughs> we'll edit that out on the podcast, so whenever you go back and listen to it, it's not as uh, it's not as much of a, a rough draft. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. we got a lot of stuff to get to as we continue to wait for uh, Donald Trump to get down to the southern border and make some statements. As to the crisis, the real crisis going on. Also, when we get back, I will finish playing Donald Trump's comments before he departed. We had to stop halfway through because uh, we got a call from Andrew, but we'll hook that up on the other side. Also, we'll have Jeff Poor coming in as well. So don't go anywhere. Your Thursday edition of Over the Line, Over the Line Show.com. Y'all hang tight. absolute control and that's why we're just out here doing simple things pointing out that we're meant to be in nature and be natural and this is where we find the source that god made to transcend the new world order and that's why they want to try to keep us out of it i'm angry i've had enough of these people they're a bunch of christian murderous scum they're on giant death factories keeping babies alive Selling their body parts. What more do you need to know about these people? I go out and face these scum. They literally crawl out from under rocks. They have green looking skin and they run around screaming, We love Satan, we wanna eat babies. I have them on video. 
crazy is like when I'm texting people during the break my hands are so cold even my spell check is not picking up on what I'm trying to type you would be amazed at how hard it is to type when you can't feel your fingers I was actually I was texting Jeff Port trying to line up him coming on the show and he probably doesn't even know what I was trying to say but he should be on with us in a moment. What I want to try to do is uh, I want to try to pull up the uh, – and let's see if I can 
pull this off here. I don't know if I can. I'm trying to do this. I, I normally do a lot of the stuff from my phone, but I'm going to try to do it from the uh, the the Google machine. Actually, we call this the Skype machine. And pull up Donald Trump's comments. They came from... Who posted this? That would be CNN. So let's go to CNN. And these are his comments as he departed. We were playing these right before Andrew Pollack called. And... Uh, we cut it off because we didn't want to make him wait. So here are the comments from the Donald Trump as he departs for the southern border as he is doing now. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. The lawyers have so advised me. I'm not prepared to do that yet, but if I have to, I will. I have no doubt about it. I will. I have the absolute right to declare this was passed by Congress. So when you say, was it passed by Congress? It was. Other presidents have used it, some fairly often. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. I haven't done it yet. I may do it. If this doesn't work out, probably I will do it. I would almost say definitely. This is a national emergency. Because I would like to do the deal through Congress, and because it makes sense to do it through Congress, but the easy route for me would have been call a national emergency and do it. And I will tell you, this is a tremendous crisis at the border. Look at President Obama's statements from the past, numerous statements where he calls it a crisis. This is a crisis. You have human trafficking, you have drugs, you have criminals coming in, you have gangs, MS-13. We're taking them out by the thousand and bringing them back. This is a crisis. And they don't come in at the checkpoint, which they do also, but they go in between the checkpoints where you don't have any barriers. Mr. President? Go ahead, you have it. If we don't make a deal, I mean, I would say 100%, but I don't want to say 100% because maybe something else comes up. But if we don't make a deal, I would say it would be uh, very surprising to me that I would not declare a national emergency and just fund it through the various mechanisms. And by the way, there's more than one mechanism. There's various mechanisms. And the lawyers tell me 100%. It would be nice if we could make a deal. But dealing with these people is ridiculous. I don't know if they know how to make a deal. It's We need, and I'll tell you what, a lot of Democrats, I was looking at numbers, a lot of Democrats agree, Steve. We need national security. And the only way you have it, the only way you have it, is you have to have a strong border. And the only way you have a strong border is you need a wall or you need some kind of a steel. Go ahead, guard There are pictures this you morning. Need a, Steve, you need a steel barrier. And if you don't have a steel barrier or a concrete wall, forget it. There are pictures. There are the president's comments as he departed for the southern border, uh, basically saying, hey, 100%. I'll uh, declare it a national emergency if these jabronis don't want to work with me, which <laughs> I I had a feeling that that's what it was going to come to. And hey, here it is. Here it is. Uh, when Donald Trump gets to the southern border, if he does, 
before we go off air today, we will bring that to you. If not, we will definitely be talking about that tomorrow. But on the phone right now, we have my man, Jeff Poor from Breitbart from Yellowhammer. I don't actually, should I say this? Big time radio show host, Jeff Poor on the line. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. <laughs> so, do I have to drop the Breitbart moniker now that you've got your own radio show? No, it's still it's still there. Okay. It's, 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 it's Breitbart, Yellowhammer, Lanyap, and now WVNN in Huntsville. WVNN. I've been telling people about it on the show, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit about it before I let you go. But, yeah, new gig. How is that going for you? Uh, you know how live radio is, man. It's just like keeping your head above water and uh, – it's much different than just being a guest because you gotta you gotta keep you gotta keep the rhythm going, keep the flow going. Something I've kind of struggling with a little, but I, I you know I, I think it'll be something I'll get there eventually. Yeah, you you you'll definitely have it under control. There's no doubt about it. Um, big story of the day, as you know, my friend, it is uh, border wall, border wall, border wall, and this has been for those of us that follow this stuff this is this has been absolutely riveting something exciting to watch i mean the 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 repercussions of this stuff are obviously very large the implications are great but uh for political theater this has been fantastic right right and well talk a little bit about that real quick i i'm glad to see donald trump getting out of washington to go to try to win this fight so let's think about this. When the Kavanaugh thing went down, do you remember? I know you watch TV. Do you remember all the commercials telling people to call Doug Jones not to oppose the Kavanaugh nomination? Right. And if you recall, there there was there was a lot of things going on that really pushed that through. Obviously, the Democrats kind of they they, they kind of pulled an October surprise on themselves when they uh, when they <laughs> pulled their shenanigans in those confirmation hearings. But I think that uh, I think that the, the the way to win this fight for Donald Trump, the way to end the shutdown and get Democrats to be the ones that have to come to the table is you take your message out to the American people. Donald Trump, he did OK at his Oval Office address Monday night. But I, I think where his real strength is, it's it's these rallies, right? It's what he has a crowd to play off of. Some would argue his, his strength is the uh, some would argue his strength. A, like a uh, uh, you know what he's confirmed. I think his uh, country is where illegal immigration like really impacts people the most, right? Go to where you know ec- the economy, where it's taking jobs away from people. Go to a place where it's like uh, you know where, where where it's really changed the culture, the demographics of the community. And when you do that, then maybe you start to build some public support. You build a foundation there, and that's when you get these members of Congress to start acting. You, you start peeling off some Democrats here and there, and then I think that's a component. And I also think, like when we talk about the Kavanaugh thing, those commercials that we were just inundated with, those things I think helped move the needle because it got people calling their members. So there's like a two pronged approach, right? And I think uh, that. I, I just think getting out of Washington, getting away from the D.C. game and Oval Office addresses and, you know, uh, uh, meetings with co- members of Congress and getting to the people that elect them. That's how he wins this fight. Yeah, get it out of the uh, the background of, of conference rooms and Oval Office meetings and just get on the ground and make this a reality on people's TV screens, on their Twitter feeds. 
And uh, I, I think that really helps. I also got to point out, Jeff, just listening to you, I, I can hear that you're transforming into a radio guy. Like, you even sound different. A little long-winded, but uh, <laughs> like I just said. <laughs> this is crazy. It's like a, it's like a brand-new Jeff Poor. Okay, I, I want to talk a little bit. Because I've only got so much time left in the podcast, we've kind of we've we've started to do it earlier, and we've also shortened it just to make it more effective. Uh, But I want to talk about the government shutdown in itself. Now, uh, the Trump administration has they've gone out of their way to try to make sure everything that is going to affect your average American is taken care of, such as the tax refunds. They they've worked with uh, the IRS and everybody in the agency to make sure that tax refunds are going to go out, and the officials from there are saying that. They're like, hey, even with the partial shutdown, tax refunds are going to go out. Democrats are trying to use that as scare tactics. Oh, you're not going to get your tax refund. Uh, uh, But in reality, outside of that, just referring to the federal workers that are furloughed or that are not getting paid, uh, there is, from my point of view, I think the American people have sympathy for those people that are working and not getting paid, even though they're going to get paid on the backside. But the the sympathy is very small because when you're talking about federal workers, these are people that are unaffected by downturns in the economy. People don't get they don't have massive layoffs in the government. They've got a job that's pretty secure. So. For instance, during the Obama administration, during the, the the late years of the Bush administration, where everybody's losing their jobs and their houses and all this stuff, government workers aren't affected by that kind of stuff. They're kind of shielded from it. So right. are we supposed to have that same kind of sympathy as we did for our, our neighbor when the local factory got shut down and he lost his job and couldn't feed his family of five? Or well, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe not to that level. But, but I had Congressman Robert Adderhall, who's serves parts of North Alabama on my show yesterday makes a very good point here. When these federal workers start to get hurt, where do, where are most federal workers in this country? Where do they live? They live in Washington, DC and areas around DC. How do they vote in those areas? Those are democratic members of Congress. So people stop getting their paychecks. I'm not talking about the, the bureaucrat state department. I'm talking about the national park service guy, the forestry guy, department of agriculture, but all these bureaucrats, when they stop getting their paychecks and they want somebody to talk to, they're going to go to their member of Congress. Right. Their member of Congress is probably a Democrat. That's, I think, going to force – I think it's going to hit more of the Democrat areas, this, this shutdown, than it will Republicans. I think that what eventually will happen – yeah, I, I do think that the Democrats are going to start feeling the heat on this. Remember, they only have one chamber of one-third of the government, right? Uh they may start to waver, and, and I, I don't know. It's hard to say if, if, if there'll, there'll be enough votes to where uh, minority leader Kevin McCarthy could build some kind of coalition of wayward Democrats and Republicans to get the shutdown over with. But uh, you, obviously, you've got to deal with the Senate and the 60-vote rule. But I, I do think the Democrats will start feeling the heat on this, and it will force them to do a little bit better than Nancy Pelosi's $1 to end the shutdown. Yeah, that you want to talk about a, a a phrase that is going to haunt you? I believe it's that one. That that phrase right there is is haunted Nancy Pelosi since. And then yesterday, how about this? They get up on stage, Nancy and Chuck, and they've got a handful of federal workers, quote unquote. They may be, they may not be. I don't know. 
but uh, they 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 march them up there and they do this big speech about how federal workers are being effective and then they bring a few of them up there and they speak and they talk about how horrible this is and how their credit scores going down <laughs> it's hard for some of us average americans who deal with a credit score going down like uh, you know it's it's an everyday thing uh, to feel sympathy for some of these people, especially the people they brought on stage, which you mentioned they're probably from D.C., they're probably Democrat supporters, and they were very animated in their disapproval of Donald Trump and their disapproval of the wall. I don't think that came off to Americans as, as very genuine. Did you see it? Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that to some degree, but I do think that, I mean, nobody— most most Americans are decent. They don't want people to have to struggle. And I know people live paycheck to paycheck. Now maybe these bureaucrats they're, they're paid a little bit better than you know your average American. But if it's if it's framed properly, you can't count on the, the national media to frame it in, in a proper way. I, I do think there are some consequences. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know that it's a necessarily quite the slam dunk, uh, but uh, I do think that there'll be some 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 damage done here politically. And I but. Keeping this in mind, the last time the government shut down, albeit briefly, it was over the dreamer thing. <laughs> here's here's reason for optimism, Andrew. The Republicans have stuck together this far. Republicans don't usually stick together. They're they're quicker to cave than this. Yes. So to me, the the, the idea that we've gotten this far into a shutdown and the Republicans haven't budged, that doesn't that doesn't bode well for Democrats. They're used to Demo- they're used to Republicans caving. And they're kind of in uncharted territory. It's going to be interesting to see if Pelosi and Schumer can keep their caucuses together. Well, and that's what we talked about in the past couple of days. You, you compare it to your child. Okay, you let your child eat pizza every day for two months. And then the next day you're like, well, all right, we're done with the pizza. You're getting fat here. You're going to have to eat broccoli. Well, the, the kids are going to pitch a fit because in the past you let them do what they wanted to do. You let them eat pizza. The Republicans have let the Democrats have what they want is they've caved every single time. And now all of a sudden they've channeled this dragon power from the White House and they're sticking together and they're sticking up for what's right, sticking up for what the people that voted for them want. And the Democrats are shocked. They can't believe that uh, uh, Republicans aren't caving all of a sudden. Right. And I'll add add this to it. I don't think that – you know, I, 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 even if the Republicans decided to cave, there's a handful in the House. Don't get me wrong. But even if the Republicans decided to cave, there's no reason to believe that Donald Trump's going to cave along with them. So, you know, why 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 put yourself out there? Why upset a certain degree of your constituents and, uh, and cave? So right now, Trump has a lot of the cards. They, you know, it may, we're used to the Democrats having the cards and getting to call the plays, but they don't have the plays. They're at some point they're going to look like the ones I, I think if, right now everybody everything's baked in. If you're a Republican and pro-Trump, you're you're not moving. If you're anti-Trump and a Democrat, you're not going anywhere. What's left is in the middle. I, I think it, it really will depend on how how uh, it'll be interesting to watch and see how the public goes and where they put the blame at. And to me, if Donald Trump can make the right case, and this is going back to my earlier point about going to the people doing rallies and getting outside of the DC, you know, bubble, that's, that's probably where he wins. And that's what he needs to do. I, if I'm advising him, I'm telling him, okay, we tried the Oval Office address. I don't know what we expect to accomplish from that, but we, we got to get away from the, the media weird, you know, the politicos and axios and all that and go outside of that. 
and that's where you start to make ground. Run yeah. it like a campaign. Run it like you would, you know, this 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 last eighteen cycle. Well, and I, I think that that's the right thing to do. I think there's some things that even if you don't believe they're going to be effective, they're important to do, like attempting to get it through Congress, uh, doing the speech, going down to the border. All those things are necessary before you cut the cord and you say, hey, let's go, baby. National emergency. Let's do it. But but the, the most damaging thing for the Democrats, I believe, here is they're repeating the same mistakes they did during the 2016 campaign, and they are disconnecting themselves from average Americans, where Donald Trump is saying, hey— I feel for the federal workers, but I'm I'm not sticking up just for federal workers. I'm sticking up for all of Americans. So a lot of people view that. They see Democrats are like, oh, they're sticking up for the government. But this other guy, the guy in the White House, he's sticking up for America. And, and, and I think even though if people don't put that into words in that manner, that's the way they feel in the back of their mind when they're watching this stuff. That's the way they view it. Yeah. And, 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 but, you know, the, I think a lot of those people probably have already made up their minds. You really, I think you really need to look at how people, and then there's not very many of them left, but the swing voters, the, the, the middle, how they look at these things, where these swings districts are, the Bucks County, Pennsylvania's, and the I 4 corridor. And, uh, you know, the, and, and here's, here's what I would say if I'm Donald Trump, you see all these Democrats lining up to run for president of the United States. I think I might hit the ground in Iowa, New Hampshire, kind of poison the well for Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren and start talking about these things. That that also that's where all the media likes to focus. Though we have a two year long presidential cycle. Go over there to go to Des Moines, go to Nashua, go go to these places and make your case about the border wall there. Then it, it sets a stage for these Democratic candidates which are about to camp out there. And they may have to take a little bit different approach to their campaigning. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. Again, this is uh, riveting. This is uh, some of the best political theater I think we've seen in a long time, at least since the Kavanaugh stuff. Uh, and people like me and you, we eat that stuff up. We love it. But uh, it's it's going to be interesting from here on out as it goes. And, and we'll uh, we'll keep up with it. We'll keep up with you, Jeff. I want you to tell everybody real quick uh, how they can listen to you uh, on terrestrial radio, but how they can also listen to your new show online. So I'm on WVNN. That's Huntsville. The signal gets down about Coleman, I think, uh, and all throughout the Tennessee Valley. But uh, it's uh, WVNN.com. It's on the iHeartRadio app, on the TuneIn app. Uh, you, you can listen to their streaming, and you can listen to it on 770 AM, 92.5 FM up here in the Huntsville area. And that's from 2 to 5? 2 to 5, yes. See, this is why I, I stopped doing my show in the afternoon, because I knew I couldn't compete with your new show. I'm like, I'm out of here, cuz. I ain't going to do it. I'm going to move to mornings. I don't want to compete with Jeff Poor. All right, buddy. I, I appreciate you, man. Everybody can check you out on uh, Yellow Hammer, on Breitbart, and then obviously on WVNN. Uh, make sure y'all say what's up to Jeff. Follow him on Twitter and all that jazz. Jeff, I appreciate it, buddy. We'll be talking to you soon, my man. Thanks for having me on, man. There you go, my man Jeff Poor, Breitbart, Yellow Hammer, WVNN. He's all over the place. He is a rock star, and he's a smart guy uh, and a friend of mine, and I appreciate him coming on with us. All right. We got about... Uh, 10 minutes left or so, and I want to get to a few things before we get out of here. Because I feel like all I've done is talk on the phone, and y'all are here to hear me, and you're not here to hear everybody else. So, with that, you heard Donald Trump speaking at uh, 
at the White House before departing for the southern border. I'm just kind of doing a quick check to see where he is um, as far as uh, his traveling goes, if they've in fact made it. I, I don't know how long that trip is from from D.C. to the border, but I'm assuming they haven't made it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi held her weekly news conference uh, approximately 20 minutes ago. I believe that just wrapped up. I'm not going to force you guys to uh, go through that, but nonetheless, that's what's going on. Some of that stuff uh, that happens at the border, when he is speaking, we'll share it on the Facebook page, so make sure you've added the Over the Line Facebook page so you can watch it while you sit at your desk at work or at home or whatever and uh, keep up with it, but we'll also replay it on tomorrow's show, tomorrow's show as well. Again, I want to revisit the whole federal worker thing. And we've had people that listen to the show that have have said it within our, our live video chat and have emailed me directly and said, hey, uh, my husband, my wife, my uncle, uh, they work for the federal government, and they're sitting at home right now because the government shut down. And I'll tell you, him and I, or her and I both, we are in agreement 100% with Donald Trump on this. We're willing to take the hit and wait an extra two weeks for our paycheck in order to get this done, to secure America. Some of these federal workers, they want to make that sacrifice. It is a sacrifice for them. These guys are, are, are missing a paycheck it is a service to this country, and this is obviously the way I view it, and everybody's going to be different. But I feel like for the people that are sitting at home or they are working without a paycheck, these people need to be commended for doing a service for this country, not only in their occupation on a daily basis, but for this, for missing that paycheck and being supportive of the president in Securing the border. They are sacrificing in order for our border to be secure. No matter how minute they think it may be or we may think think it may be, it's still a sacrifice that they're making. And I think those people need to be commended without a doubt. Um, But for the sympathy part of federal workers coming from average average Americans that work in the private sector— I don't think on a wide scale from average Americans you're getting a lot of sympathy from them as far as federal workers uh, having to wait an extra two to four weeks to to get paid. Because, again, as I stated when I had Jeff Poor on the phone, federal workers, they're shielded from things like downturns in in the economy. They're shielded from factories shutting down or layoffs happening or, you know, hours being cut. The government isn't affected by a slow economy. The government isn't uh, doesn't have a, a a bad year or a bad quarter and have to cut people's hours. They don't they don't do that. They they always get paid. They they they're always there. They always got a job. Now can you get fired as a federal employee? Of course you can. In some cases, it would probably be pretty hard to get fired, but you can. But you're shielded from all that other stuff. All the, when the economy crashed, 
at the end of the Bush years, when the economy slowly, slowly stunk for so long through the Obama years and, and was stagnant for so long after that crash. Federal employees weren't affected by that. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's fine that they're not affected by that. But we were, the average Americans, we were affected by that stuff. And maybe federal workers had sympathy for us at that time. I don't know. But tons of people lost their jobs. Tons of people had to live off unemployment for who knows how long. Had to sign up for, for food stamps just to put food on the table. Because of the economy. Federal workers didn't have to do that. And that lasted for a long time. This government shutdown won't last another week or two. At the most, it won't. The government will reopen, then everything will be back to normal. So I commend the federal workers for their sacrifice on this front. But also, the feel I get from average Americans is, you know, hey, it sucks, I feel for you, but I'm not willing to invest all my sympathy and everything I've got into saying, hey, these poor people are missing their mortgage. It's it's what Chuck and Nancy are up there. This is why they're losing this battle, because they're up there, and that's all they're talking about is the federal workers. They're not talking about Kate Steinle. They're not talking about the the, the 16-year-old girl that was stabbed to death. They're not talking about the tons of people that were killed by, by drunk drivers who were in this country illegally. They're not talking about people that have been raped by illegal aliens. They're talking about federal workers struggling to make a mortgage payment one month. Most of you guys know what it's like to struggle to make a mortgage payment every month. That does not connect with the American people. Talking about credit scores during a national crisis does not connect with the American people. That's exactly why they're losing this battle so badly. Again, the government shutdown is not as bad as it seems. If you're listening to the Democrats, tax refunds will still go out because Donald Trump and his administration went out of their way to make sure and line it up where those things would not be affected. When Obama's president, there's a government shutdown, they almost viewed it as a way to punish Americans and make sure everything was shut down and not go out of the way to try to fix it. Say just They used it as a, as a political talking point and saying, this is what Republicans are doing to you. And they tried to make it as hard as possible on people. Donald Trump's not in the business of doing that. He doesn't want average Americans affected by the government shutdown. But he also will stand his ground through this whole thing. And as I've watched him speak and I've watched him talk about this, this is a man that is not going to back down until he gets his border wall. That's a done deal. The Republican Party, they may not be past their days of caving to the Democrats, but on this issue, it's not going to be the same old Republican Party. And it's all thanks to Donald Trump. It's all thanks to the guy who went to the Republican Party and said, here's the deal. You guys can cave like you always have. If you want to be continue to be weak-kneed Republicans, that's fine with me. Do what you got to do. But if you cave and you send a bill to my desk that does not have border wall funding, 
I ain't signing it, cuz. I'm going to give you a veto, Willie. Send it on back. That put Republicans in a position to where they've actually got to stand up for what is right. Uh, some of the, the, the media's reaction to this, they've really, they're at a point where they don't know what to do on this issue because they're shocked that Donald Trump will not back down. So they're all in the Oval Office the other day, and Donald Trump's answering some questions. He was signing a, a piece of legislation, and, and I, I can't recall what it was. But after he spoke for a moment, reporters started asking questions, and it all had to do with a government shutdown, obviously. Well, uh, John Carl from ABC asked a question, and he's like, well, are you... Uh, are you gonna end this shutdown? What are you, are you in this shutdown? What are you, you can't leave the government shut down forever. And Donald Trump so masterfully paints this guy in a corner and says, Okay, tell me what would you do if you were in my position? This is how that interaction went. It was absolutely beautiful, and it's what we call the art of the troll. What else? So, so, so why not sign the other bills, though, so some of these workers can get paid, the government you get paid? You, 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 no, you, no, do you think I should do that? Do you think I should do that, John? I mean, it's not for me I mean, to I say. I watch that. your one-sided reporting. Do you think I should do that? <laughs> hey, John. No, seriously, John, do you think I should just sign? Well, the, the argument no, no, is... tell me, tell me. John, do you think I should just sign? I, I, I'm saying that if you sign that, these workers can start getting paid. Uh, the government can so start... So you would do that? If you were in my position, you'd do that? I'm not in your position. I'm asking you if you've, that's something you... I'm asking do. you, would you do that if you were in my position? Because I, 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 if you would do that, you should never be in this position. <laughs> because you'd never get anything done. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> It is so good. It's just—it's it, so masterful because what he'll do is he'll—he'll he'll ask these people the question that they're obviously not going to answer because they go—I'm a journalist. I gotta have integrity. I can't—I uh, can't give my opinion on on wrong record. That would be wrong of me as a journalist. And Donald Trump knows that knows that that's how they feel, even though they have no journalistic integrity. So he just asks the question over and over and over, and he gives them about seven times to answer it, and then he just interrupts him. He said, "No, if you did it." You wouldn't you wouldn't be in this position. You shouldn't be in this position because you never get anything done. If you don't stand up for something, you'll never get anything done. I got so sick and tired of president after president, Republican after Republican, not standing up for us, not standing up for conservatism, not standing up for making this country safe. The rest of America got tired of it. And then along comes Donald Trump. And as he said, with nothing else to lose, and a lot of bold promises that none of us knew if they were going to get fulfilled or not, we placed our trust in Donald Trump because we were sick and tired of Republicans caving to Democrats. And look where we're at now. It took somebody outside of D.C. to actually keep their word and be honest to the American people. It took a billionaire from New York to connect with people from Alabama, people from Kansas, people from Wisconsin and Michigan. It took a billionaire from New York 
to come in like a wrecking ball and take over the Republican Party. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely love it. Keep yourself updated with the Over the Line Facebook page. We'll have you all the information you need as to what goes on today at the southern border with the president as he continues to make his case. And I believe brings an end to this government shutdown, which will then result in a border wall. We shall see overthelineshow.com. Make sure you hook that up. You can listen to the recorded show there on the website. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Breaker, Radio Public, uh, uh, Pocket Cast, uh, Overcast, all this stuff. All those places you can hear the show. We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode and plenty to talk about. I can guarantee you that. And until then, build the wall and see you, cuz. Mm-hmm.